When I hear stories about incredible loss, I often wonder what gets people through the darkest moments. To be honest, it was finding other people who had been through the same experience of me and had felt that deep loss of losing a child. Today on Feed Play Love, one mum's experience with loss and how she started to heal. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. Michaela Fitzgerald is an influencer, marketing manager, children's book author and mum. This year, she's released two children's picture books about loss and grief. Michaela's first child was a boy, Fox, who had group B sepsis and passed away just three days after birth. After this enormous loss, Michaela went on to write out her feelings. On Instagram and on her blog, both as a process for healing and a way to connect with and support other parents going through grief. Michaela, welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Thank you. Can you explain to those who don't know what group B sepsis is? Yeah, so group B sepsis is basically a common bacteria um, in anybody. You can have it any day, any time. It can be there one day, gone the next. But if it's present during the time of birth, um, it's particularly deadly to a newborn. You were tested for group B sepsis and the test came back negative. How was that possible? Yeah, so I remember reading the flyer for the test I was doing and weirdly enough I remember my gut instinct like double taking this document because it was just simply handed to me a flyer but it was actually a lot more concerning than it was kind of communicated to me but you know being a first-time mom I had a lot of trust and I just you know I looked at it it said 90 percent 96 percent accurate Um, so I assumed I do the test, it comes back negative and all would be good. But what I didn't know about the bacteria at the time is that just how transient it is. So the particular timing of doing the test can really affect whether you actually are positive or negative. So the fact that I did the test at 36 weeks and came back negative didn't actually mean I would be negative at the time of birth, which I now know. And if it had been positive? What does that mean? Is there a way of treating group B sepsis? Yeah, so if you're positive, they put you on a round of antibiotics during birth and labour, and they often treat the baby with a round of antibiotics after birth as well. So group B strep is, you know, simply kind of prevented through a round of antibiotics. Okay, so that that is devastating in and of itself because you didn't know. But if we go to the actual birth. Was your labour 17 hours? Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. There was about 10 hours labouring at home. A midwife came out to us as well and she did some routine checks and I was about four centimetres. And yeah, after about 10 hours, I was kind of like, all right, I'm ready to go to the hospital. And yeah, the next seven hours were spent in hospital and it was genuinely a, you know, picture perfect labour from my own obviously first time experience but yeah nothing from my research and you know my preparation concerned me or made me think otherwise and it it sounds like it was a 
fairly regular birth, but when I say that, having given birth to two children myself, it's not really a regular experience, is it? <laughs> it's exhausting. Yeah. You are completely physically, emotionally spent by the time you give birth. Yeah. What happened once Fox came into the world? Well, you just said it perfectly, like birth is quite exhausting. So the moment like I've given birth to him, the cord was actually wrapped a little bit around his neck. So they had to kind of cut his cord off him quite quickly and resuscitate him. And after that, they brought him back over to me and he was all good, just coughing up a little bit. But, you know, at that point, I felt like I was finally a mum and I was, yeah, I was so excited, but I was so exhausted that you know, all I wanted to do was just go have a shower alone for a minute. So I just took a shower alone while my husband kind of, you know, was meeting his newborn son. And yeah, when I finally come out of that shower and come back over to him and, you know, we had our first moment of breastfeeding together and I started eating some snacks because I was so hungry and just tried to settle into the fact that we would be taking this baby home. And I know that Everyone listening who's had a baby can relate to that feeling of being shell-shocked, being in this new space with your baby, you were with your partner, and it was, it's, it's exactly how most of us have experienced that moment. But then things didn't go according to plan, did they? No, no. So we were in a birth centre and... It's routine to go home around four hours after birth. So our midwife was getting her paperwork ready to discharge us and let us go home. And it was just throughout that time of sitting there in bed with him that he was coughing up like blood quite frequently. The midwife reassured us that when a baby's coming down the birth canal that often they can kind of take in a bit of gunk here and there and they just cough it to clear their lungs So I didn't think too much of it at first, but it was the consistency of it that started to build and, you know, like you could see that the baby was getting into a bit of distress at the same time as he's coughing up blood that really started to concern me. Um, My gut feeling was saying something's not right here, but I was being reassured at the same time that this is normal. And I'm a a first-time mum. I didn't know what was and what wasn't normal All I had was a gut feeling that saying, I need to get this looked at further. And yeah, it was that push that, you know, we were able to then go upstairs and see a specialist to look at the baby a little bit further before we were able to be discharged to go home. That's kind of the journey that we thought we were about to have is get the baby checked over, might need some further clearing of his lungs and then go home. So in my mind, that's all I thought the outcome was going to be. The moment the doctor came in and assessed him further, he could see that immediately he thought he had group B strep. And for me, that was a red flag because I rem- I linked back to that flyer instantly that I'd read, you know, when testing at the time of 36 weeks. And I started to become really concerned. The doctor said that he would need to take the baby into the NICU and the next time we see him that he would be 
quite sedated and have a lot of cords around him and it would be quite traumatic for us and was preparing us for that experience. So, yeah, that was definitely not the journey that I thought we would be going on after just having a baby and getting ready to be discharged and go home. That's so tough, Michaela, like just imagining where you were at in terms of physically and emotionally already you had been, you'd given so much to give birth to this little boy and then to be faced with that news. I, I can't imagine what it was like. Was it just completely surreal? Yeah, we both kind of felt like we were just in this bad dream, but at the same time, you, you've just become a parent that all you care about is that baby and you pitch all the best outcomes. So you picture okay like we've just had a hiccup here but it's going to be okay and you know okay now we've had a hiccup here but we're going to be okay so it never left our mind that we were going to be okay and that's what we held on to through the whole journey so as we kind of got deeper into it we kind of had to come to the terms with that you know this roller coaster is kind of going up and down, but it looks like we're having more downs than ups and trying to process that was the hardest thing because we only had three days with Fox. And while that sounds like a very short time, in that moment we were there 24 hours of every day by his bed and it just feels like a lifetime even when I relive it now. It feels like I spent, you know, a solid three weeks with him by, by his side. At one point, you turned to your Facebook group of mums. Why did you go there for support? I just wanted to know that there was good outcomes. You know, online you can often find people who have gone through similar stories and there was lots of mums online that, you know, had little ones who'd had group B strep at birth and they had antibiotic treatment for two weeks in hospital or prolonged stays, but they got to take their babies home. So again, I was just leaning on those those positive stories to get me through. You have two children and you've written these books for helping children to deal with grief and loss. But obviously, this is a loss that stays with you. It doesn't go away. And you are retelling a story that's extraordinarily painful for you. Why do you continue to tell this story when it it is obviously so painful for you? I think naturally as humans, you want to suppress your pain. You want to run away. You want to hide from it. You know, when we were living in Darwin at the time and the first thing I wanted to do was go home to Queensland. I wanted to just escape everything I knew there. But by staying there longer, it allowed me to kind of rebuild myself as a human and find the beauty in life again. And by not running away from it and facing the day-to-day of the life I had there at the time, I started to realise that there's so much healing in not suppressing our pain but living through it and talking about it. And ultimately writing those books is, it was a part of my healing but it's also a part of my opportunity to empower little people in preparation for what they may go through later in life. And when I say what they might go through is they're probably going to experience the loss of an animal or the loss of a grandparent. And I want them to have something that they can turn to 
and where they can talk about loss in a way that is still beautiful and empowering and you know that it's okay it's not something we should suppress and hide and run away from but it's something we should try and find ways to incorporate into our life. It feels to me that many picture books are for parents as well sometimes even more for parents than for children and something that strikes me about these books is that for you and your husband Losing Fox is such a big part of your story as a family. He's a part of your story as a family, but the siblings that came later never knew him. So this seems like a really good way for parents who may have lost a child before they go on to have other children to bring them along in that journey of their family. I mean, has it ever been like that for you with these books? Yeah, absolutely. My children could grow up never knowing about what we went through before them. Um, but for us, it, it has been such a big part of our life that it didn't feel right to kind of not talk to them about Fox and, you know, what we kind of went through, but also being conscious that they're children at the end of the day and it's got to be communicated in a different approach while they're particularly young. So we found it like a beautiful way to talk about the little boy that you know we we often refer to as living up above and our daughter often does little gestures of night of you know blowing a kiss outside of the window up to fox in the sky and you know sometimes when she's got like a helium balloon and it floats off into the sky we use that as an example of like her cheeky brother Fox has taken it up to him and, you know, it diffuses a situation um, sometimes. (laughs) Um, But like for us, that's so natural for us to talk about that in that way. We find it amongst the little things and that's what I want the books to also do for parents is to work with those siblings that are no longer here and find ways that they can be brought into their other little Earthside siblings' lives. And I should mention that the books are called My Sibling Above and My Love from Above. Michaela, you had a swimwear line before you had your babies and a pretty significant Instagram following. And at the time that this happened, your followers had already watched the journey of your pregnancy. You were going through so much at that time. Did you ever consider just never posting again after Fox died? Yeah, absolutely. I think the hardest, sorry, the hardest day of my life was definitely sharing with the world that we had lost our son because it's just not something I saw often happen online. You know, I watch so many pregnancies online and people get to welcome their babies and I'd already had two miscarriages prior that I thought I'd been through the worst already. Like I thought life couldn't throw me anything else. So I was expecting to, you know, post a a new arrival announcement of my baby, not that I'd lost my baby after the three days that we'd been through with him. So yeah, that was definitely the hardest thing about showing up online was that first post of letting people know what happened and something that I know that was hard for my even harder for my husband because 
like as women you you do naturally gravitate to sharing more you know you share more with your friends whereas men kind of close a little more up with their emotions so I know that day I shared that as well that that was like a big realization for my husband that this was real life now that we had really lost our son. What would you say Instagram is to you? Because prior to that time, it had been part of your business. It was a way to connect with people. It's a media platform, but it's in that moment in particular, it is also something incredibly intimate and personal Have you got any thoughts on on where it sits in your life? So after that moment, Instagram really became like a a public journal for me. I did kind of struggle to talk directly to friends about this and to support workers. But when I was feeling down, I felt like I could really just write about my emotions and somewhere along the line, you know, things would spread around Instagram. And the beauty of those words spreading is that I would find other parents who were going through the same or about to go through the same or were further along in their journey. And it became like an online journal, but where I would find real life people that I could relate to. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, you have two children now. And your daughter was born, was it almost a year after Fox passed? Yeah, so her due date was to be around Fox's birthday, but we ended up having a scheduled C-section with her. So she was born two weeks prior to his first birthday. That is such a amazing but also, I would imagine, incredibly challenging experience. What was it like? falling pregnant again? Um, yeah, like when I reflect back on it now, it was it was probably the most unalive I felt ever because, you know, I'm carrying a baby around again, but it was my fourth time now carrying a baby that I'd just become so used to being pregnant but never knowing what the outcome is. So I was very nervous throughout my whole pregnancy. I did have some issues that also alarmed me a lot. So I just felt like I could never truly feel that joy of I'm having a baby and I'm going to be holding that baby and we're going to be doing this and I look forward to doing this and taking them here because I just had so much nerve throughout it that I almost believe that life is just like a big roller coaster and I don't know the outcome anymore. Was there anything that helped you through that time or you were just counting off the months until the birth? Yeah, again, really probably just writing about my emotion and sharing that online. That was like my big project and at the same time I I did start writing like a little recipe ebook just I had to keep my mind busy I started sewing I it's just naturally who I am just finding anything to keep myself busy yeah those were those were things that just tried to pass the time but it definitely was the longest pregnancy of my life you posted once about fear versus grief How does fear show up in your life now? Just 
the little things. Um, if my children are with my parents, my mind goes crazy. It starts to think of all the possible outcomes that might happen when I'm not around. Crossing a road, I just I picture all of the worst case scenarios, and I think it's my mind protecting me or preparing me for the worst case scenarios, so nothing can shock me anymore. It's it's terrible, and it's sometimes been suffocating, and it's something that I am getting a lot better with now. But in the first few years of my children's life, you know, like my daughter was not looked after by anybody until she was. 17 months old and and that was only because I had no choice because I was you know having another baby at that point. And how are those two babies now? They're um, is it two and a half and four and a half? Am I making that up? Yeah no they're two and a half and four and a half and it's been a whirlwind since they've came into our lives. They keep us very busy and I <laughs> I never thought life could look like this, to be honest. I feel like it's something me and my husband wanted for so long that it just felt like it would only ever be a dream, but nothing we would actually live. And don't get me wrong, parenting is so exhausting, but, but I also have this appreciation of knowing how hard the journey has been to get there, that it's literally bliss for us and it's addictive we almost want even more kids because we do love it so much but yes yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the pregnancy stage and the newborn stage that whole first year that just gives me a lot of anxiety and it's hard to kind of live through those moments. Michaela thank you so much for being so generous with your experience and your heartache and I'm sure it makes a big difference to people to hear you be so honest about it. So thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Siobhan. That's Michaela Fitzgerald. Her books are called My Sibling Above and My Love From Above. And she also has a amazing Instagram account and a website. I'll put links to all of those in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.